It's The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. Late last week, Texas lawmakers advanced Senate Bill 18. It reads in part that public colleges and universities in Texas, quote, may not grant an employee of the institution tenure or any type of permanent employment status. Now, SB 18 is part of a slate of legislative actions aimed at fundamentally restructuring the Lone Star State's system of higher education. Senate Bills 16 and 17 legislate restriction on faculty speech in the classroom, eliminate funding for diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, and establish sanctions for faculty members who violate these laws. The American Association of University Professors has criticized SB 16, 17, and 18, saying that, quote, taken together, these bills and the efforts to pass them would have a pervasive, chilling effect on academic freedom and the free exchange of ideas on college and university campuses. Here with us is Sergio Martinez Beltran, a reporter with the Texas Newsroom. Sergio, welcome to The Takeaway. Hi, thanks for having me. And also with us is Professor Karma Chavez, who is Professor and Department Chair of Mexican-American and Latino Studies at UT Austin. Karma, welcome to The Takeaway. Thanks so much for having me. Professor Chavez, I want to begin with you just to kind of get it out there. What is tenure at the higher ed level so that folks can understand it? This is such a good question because I've learned uh, in the last few weeks that a lot of people really have no idea what tenure actually means. So tenure is, uh, it's a it's a contract. It's a long-term contract designed to protect academic freedom. It's an employment guarantee uh, that it gives job security in lieu of other kinds of compensation, uh, typically finan- financial compensation uh, that might otherwise be given in the industry. And tenure is not exactly a job for life, but it does indicate that you have a lot more job security than you might in other jobs, that you can only be fired for just cause or for financial emergency. And it's really meant to ensure that you can do the kind of research and teaching that is relevant in your area of study without uh, fear of being fired or targeted for uh, your points of view. You know, I think your point is so well taken that so many don't even necessarily know sort of what tenure is or what the process is to earn tenure. And so, Sario, I guess I'm wondering, why is this a top agenda item for Texas lawmakers, given that it, it hardly seems like, you know, people went to the polls thinking what we've got to do is untenure faculty? This proposal is the latest attempt by leadership in the Texas Senate to really strong arm faculty they claim hide behind quote unquote academic freedom in order to inappropriately express their ideologies. And the way it started in Texas, I think it's interesting. You know, it's what seems a case of revenge from the lieutenant governor uh, here, Republican Dan Patrick. Last year's members of the faculty council at the University of Texas at Austin overwhelmingly voted to reject efforts by the Texas legislature to restrict what they could teach, particularly uh, critical race theory. This happened after the legislature passed a bill that banned the teaching of critical race theory in K-12. through So after the faculty voted, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick took it as the faculty challenge, the legis- challenging the legislature, and then he vowed to go after tenure. And that's where we are today. Now, it seems important, Professor Chavez, that this is connected with these other bills around um, DEI and and other forms of academic freedom, in part because, um, you know, so 
frequently when we talk about academic freedom or think about it within the academy, it's primarily around our role as researchers, the, the kinds of questions that we can ask, and less around sort of what happens in the classroom, in part because, right, the sort of the development of syllabi and the sort of broad inquiry in the classroom is presumed to be what folks do with and without tenure, right? That that is sort of foundational to being in higher ed. Yeah, this is such a sticky kind of question because really academic freedom definitionally is about protecting freedom in research and publication as well as in teaching. And if you look historically, it's typically in the classroom where academic freedom is most threatened, uh, at least in the 20th into the 21st century in the United States. And so uh, it's because a student reports a faculty member for saying something unpopular, that kind of thing. On the one hand, teaching is still this important site of academic freedom. Then we start to talk about DEI, which, of course, is related to our research. It's related to our teaching, and it's related to the different kinds of service we do around the university. And it's also a matter of, of academic freedom, I would argue, because what DEI programs are designed to do, as my friend Brian Evans always says here, they give you a big old Texas howdy, right? They're meant to say, you're welcome here. Come on in. We want to include you. And so DEI creates inclusive and hospitable environments for learning, which in my view is essential uh, for academic freedom to exist for faculty and for students. And yet, Sergio, there's a Democratic state senator, um, Cesar Blanco, who actually voted alongside Republicans on SB 18, claiming that removing tenure could make the faculty more diverse. That's right. Yeah. Senator Cesar Blanco um, was the only Democrat to vote for this bill. And his perspective on this issue is that, you know, higher education institutions, uh, he claims, have a shameful track record in providing equal opportunities. And so he says that if the state moves to a space where there's no DEI, he cannot trust that universities will do any better by minorities. So he decided to vote in favor of this uh, ban on tenure. And, you know, he says that, again, this will uh, definitely benefit minorities who have not been able to achieve the level of tenure or the tenure appointment as the white counterparts. So it's an interesting point. So for him, um, the the removal of tenure is adjacent to also this removal of DEI, right? Because of sort of how it would institutionalize um, a less diverse faculty corps. That's exactly how he's seeing it. And again, these two votes of the SB 18 and SB 17, which is the anti-DEI bill, they happen back to back pretty much. So he's seeing it as both of them are probably going to be signed at the same time. So we might as well ban tenure so uh, minority professors have a better chance at, at succeeding in the academic world. All right, let's take a very quick pause right here. I'm going to come back on precisely this point. We're talking about remaking higher ed in Texas. It's the takeaway. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 
We're back on The Takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry, and I'm still with Sergio Martinez-Beltran, reporter at the Texas Newsroom, and Professor Karma Chavez, professor and department chair of Mexican-American and Latino-Latino studies at the University of Texas, Austin. We're talking about three Senate bills out of the Texas state legislature that could reshape higher ed in the state. So, Professor Chavez, I want to come to you where Sergio kind of left us off. This question of um, sort of the connection between uh, DEI and the faculty experience. And, and I guess I'm wondering, you know, for me, DEI feels like kind of what's happening on the student services side, maybe even on the, the hiring, the contracting side. But I wouldn't describe, for example, a Department of Mexican-American Studies as DEI work any more than I would like the Department of Chemistry or Biology. But is it likely that SB 17 would also affect intellectual, academic, scholarly pursuits that happen to be about non-white peoples? So a couple of things. Um, One, I would say part of what they're targeting is, in fact, Hiring, they think that diversity statements and hiring are a quote unquote loyalty oath is the language we've been hearing. And what a diversity statement is typically in hiring is it's a statement that will accompany an application. Often it's uh, not required or it's supplementary, but what it usually does is it describes the ways that you create inclusive environments on your research teams uh, or create inclusive classrooms or have supported diverse students where diverse can mean all sorts of things. So that's one of the things that's being targeted. But the other thing is that when it comes to applying for federal grants, for example, uh, there's a huge DEI component in those grants. And so organizations like the National Institutes of Health or the National Science Foundation or the Department of Energy Office of Science, which provide grants for universities, uh, they all require you to say things like, this is how our team is inclusive, or this is how we're going to be supporting diverse communities with this research. And you also have to, in these grants, often say how the institution will implement what the grant is funding for, say, three to five years. And so it's not just my department where the impact is going to be potentially with things like programming that's designed for, say, Mexican-American or Latino students, but it's also in the STEM fields where they actually have to show a commitment to DEI uh, in the grants, which fund, um, I think right now, grants fund something like uh, 22% of the UT Austin budget, for example. So this is a huge amount. In fact, that's more than double what the state of Texas pays uh, for UT Austin. Uh, Helpful in terms of thinking about that. Um, Sergio, how likely are these bills to become law in the state? They are almost guaranteed to pass in the Texas legislature, Melissa. Uh, The reality is that uh, the Senate Republicans have been truly pushing for a lot of these bills that some might call culture war issues. I call them a lot of anti-bills, right? We've heard about anti-DEI, anti-tenure bills, and of course, a lot of anti-LGBTQ bills. And so they are pushing them very quickly out of the Senate chamber. Now they are up for the consideration of the Texas House. And, you know, it's a bigger body, but I do expect them to pass with a similar support in that chamber. And we've seen with some of these controversial bills that some Democrats have actually voted with Republicans to pass some of these bills. So uh, I would not be surprised if some House Democrats would also vote for them. Karma Chavez is professor and department chair of Mexican-American and Latino-Latina studies at the University of Texas, Austin. And Sergio Martinez-Beltran is a reporter at the Texas Newsroom. 
Serio, Dr. Chavez, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank, Thank you, you, Melissa.